This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, why are you trying to destroy me? Happy New Year. Welcome to 2022, where more of the same stuff will continue to happen. So if you want change, you better make it happen for yourself and stop thinking the year change is going to do it for you, because it's just not. Sorry for that truth bomb, but this is episode 61. In this episode, I sit down with Nathan Beckham of Dog Park Brewing Company in San Juan Capistrano, California. Nathan tells me who he's been influenced by in the beer industry, the difficulties of dealing with mandates in California, and explains the taco truck problem. I'll let him explain it in the episode, but basically it's about staying true to yourself and holding on to the vision that you wanted when you first started, like me. I started as the Chew Brewer Stew podcast to get inside the heads of business owners and see what it was like to own different businesses and hear the experiences they go through. But deep down, I knew I just wanted to know about the beer industry. So I cracked and went full on Brew World Order podcast because it's what I really wanted. Deep down in the beginning, I thought it would just be easier to be able to get other guests from every industry instead of brewery owners. So I went the easy route, but I'm glad I did because here we are today. Look at me now, Ma. Episode 61. I told you. But I really got to be honest. I got to disagree with Nate here, particularly on the fact that tacos and taco trucks are never a problem. Gosh, just ask my chunky belly. He'll tell you. Speaking of chunky bellies, it's time to sit back and crack open a beer and enjoy this podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Nathan Beckham of Dog Park Brewing Company in San Juan Capistrano, California. Nathan Beckham grew up in Mississippi till he was 10 years old, surrounded by a bunch of great cooks and chefs and his family. In 1980, his family moved to Mission Viejo, California, and as time passed, he built a life there and started his own family. About the mid-90s, Nathan, who was always fascinated by food and flavors, started to mess around with homebrewing. He attended art school for graphic design and web development, and after graduating, it led him to a job with Microsoft being a technology strategist. During his downtime, Nathan continued to homebrew. He slowly fell in love with Belgium and barrel-aged beers. He also started to get to know people in the industry and began having special beer tastings with friends. Nathan's passion for beer was growing, and fast. In 2016, Nathan was asked by a friend if he would help him start up a brewery in Anaheim. After about a year, they both realized it wasn't going to work out due to creative differences, so they decided to part ways. When Nathan told his wife the news, she asked the infamous question, why don't you start your own brewery? They started to get the ball rolling, and little by little over the next couple of years, they put the pieces in place so that they can open their brewery with a barrel-age program. And even with COVID looming, they quickly decided to package and can so in March of 2020, they can open and operate as Dog Park Brewing Company. And Nathan is here with me today. Nathan, how's it going? Good, good. How you doing? All right. When you guys first came up with the idea for Dog Park Brewing Company, how long did it take before you actually decided to look for a spot to open as your own? I would say it was probably about a year, and a lot of that had to do with trying to understand funding mechanisms versus self-funding and, you know, how to, you know, and doing pro formas and making sure we could you know, solve the financial part of the solution before we like went and rented someplace or you know, leased someplace. Right. What made you choose San Juan Capistrano for your location? You know, my wife and I um, just celebrated our 10th anniversary here in, in November. We 
we've lived here our entire time. We've been married. Uh, I've raised my kids here prior to, to us being married from a previous marriage. And, you know, I've just, it's an older area. It's very equestrian. You've got a lot of diversity. And so it's just, you know, there's a lot to it being an older, sort of an older, a little bit slower community being in Southern California where there's just a lot of bustling and moving around. Right. And from the, I mean, from the moment you came up with the idea to open, because you were working for another, uh, helping another brewery get off their feet, from the moment you decided to start your own brewery to the moment you actually opened Handing Out Cans in March of 2020, uh, what would you say was the most difficult part for you, COVID aside, obviously? Uh, in all honesty, funding. Funding? Uh, being in uh, and, and, and figuring out what that means, right? Because in Southern California, you know, we, we, we're quite envious as we, my wife and I have traveled significantly across the United States. And when we see what breweries on the East Coast that have a lot of land or the Midwest or the Pacific Northwest can do where they can actually have a dog park on site and it right. doesn't, you know, it's not a big effect financially. I think that was our biggest challenge is how could we put something locally in a Southern California area with a very high, you know, square foot cost. Um, how could we do something where we wanted to be at in a way that was uh, feasibly, you know, responsible and we could actually be profitable at some point. Gotcha. And uh, during that process, I mean, it was right in the middle of like, as COVID was taken off, how much did COVID affect your business and like, what kind of monkey wrench did that throw into your plans? So initially it actually was almost a benefit. So, and I'll explain that cause it sounds weird. And then later it okay. got more difficult. Okay. Um, when we first opened, uh, we had planned on doing festivals all summer, uh, just get awareness out of where we were. So people knew so that when we opened the doors, we would have, you know, hopefully like droves of people coming in cause they know about us. Right. And they love our stuff. And then we were supposed to open in like October. And so what ended up happening with COVID is, uh, we had a large patio out front of our, um, door we could use that for temporary space also i submitted like i want to say in february we submitted our abc and ttb licenses and this is something that normally takes people a long time like months we got ours done in less than 28 days so all of a sudden we're sitting here with the ability to sell beer but we don't have a space then all of a sudden covid shows up and california was one of the first to lock down but they moved everyone at like parking spaces outdoors spaces whatever you could do they gave us temporary rights so on a, a wednesday in march we found out we could use the front patio or no so in may we found out we could use the front patio by uh thursday we had it approved and by friday i'm at costco grabbing rubbermaid tables so we opened up far faster than we thought right but without all the backing inside like a normal brewery would have like we just had our equipment on you know coming in we had our pilot system going we were gypsy brewing off-site um but so in one way, it helped us because we could get into the market faster. Where it started to hurt us is, is as we later moved on in the year and then into this year, uh, as we were talking about earlier, I mean, literally, we just got inside bathrooms finished last week. We just got our dishwasher turned on yesterday. While we've had an inside footprint and a lot of like really cool things happening, because we chose to keep employees employed and not shut down to finish, it just delayed our, our progress. And then with COVID, um, as everyone knows, it's been difficult with employees, but even our general contractors had the same problem where what normally would take, you know, a couple of weeks to get done is taking months to get done. So I would say that was the tougher part of COVID is getting the project finished once we were rolling, right. just from all the delays from supply chain, everything. Our tanks got delayed twice, the heads out of Germany. So it actually helped at the beginning, 
has been more of a challenge towards the end, but we're getting towards that. I think now people are just gotten tired of being tired and, you know, they're wanting to come out and do more things. So that's been helpful, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I'd say. Of course. Yeah. And you talked about before that one of the, one of the most difficult things was finding funding. How did you go about finding the capital to fund your business? You know what? We uh, initially, uh, we worked to create multiple pro formas to really show what we could do in different environments. The original goal is to create a production brewery that we could support multiple satellite tasting rooms because that wasn't coming to fruition without having a restaurant and a bunch of other things that we really didn't want to do. We went initially to sort of friends, went through a couple of sort of uh, business partners that we knew that had other people that did investments and got a little bit of investment. But uh, by the time we wanted to get started, we literally turned around, paid everyone off and self-funded painfully. So I think the lesson learned for us is, you know, sort of care- careful who you get in bed with, right? So Of course, right. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing. You got to be really comfortable with who you have. And we're with a comfortable team now. Wish we had more money. But I think uh, that's just a tough one when you start to get investors on our side. We decided to buy them out and go self-funded. Of course. Yeah. Money always creates uh, sticky situations when it uh, comes to business, unfortunately, you know? Yeah, there's not a lot of really, truly silent partners. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, so... What's something when you when you finally opened your doors? What's something that you never thought you were going to have to deal with when owning your own brewery? The mandates in California for COVID. Right. Um, in California, we were required to. Um, last year was really interesting for us. Um, we had a lot out here about mass requirements. Uh, a lot of it, like you had to buy food. Like if you wanted to drink a beer. Right. Right. Yes. You had to buy a food item, and I think the. Just the community here, knowing which uh, we had a sort of a split divide here, right? Where we could uh, we have from old equestrian out of my cold dead hands type of people. You can't make me do anything, and not all of equestrian are like that. But you have sort right. of old school, you know, conservative folks, and then you have very liberal folks here too, which everyone wants to wear a mask. And we almost had a fist fight on the day that mask mandate was taken off because someone still wanted to wear one. Right. So I think it was the reaction to people. I think was our. And reaction to or certain restaurants down here that didn't care at all. They can do whatever you wanted. So we would have customers come in and say, you know, why are you making me do this when I can go across the freeway and they don't make me do that? Right. So I think that was probably the thing was the most unexpected. And then just working with employees and the ability not to always have like employees will show up for one day work and then never show up again. <laughs> so isn't, isn't that are, nice? And those are really COVID related, so I don't even think I've gotten to the surprises of what, or they're so minimal compared to dealing with this stuff, right? That I don't even think about them. Yeah, man, these mandates and and everything going on have people very fearful, but some people are like, ah, you know what? I I, I trust my immune system, and I'm just gonna go along my way. But you know, either or, it's uh, it's kind of crazy how how it's kind of split down the middle and. Yeah, and I think the tough thing is, too, like what we said along the way is, look, if the ABC, which is our alcohol board out here, if they're going to mandate something, then they should have the people enforcing it, right? So when you have your employees enforcing things, that's when it really becomes a challenge because then it's like us against them versus that's not what it should be. It should be – our big saying is beer is inclusive, not divisive. Right. And, you know, I, th- I, w- I would hope that we can keep getting more to there. But I think that's our toughest thing is having when the restaurant or the brewery or whatever you want to call it becomes the enforcer of a mandate. That just becomes really very tough and painful on the, on the business. Gotcha. And uh, what are some qualities that make you a good business owner? 
I put other people in front of me to talk to employees. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a really straight shooter. Most people know exactly where they stand with me. I think that um, I could. I'm learning a lot of, of always about what I can do better in communicating with people or working with people. And so, as an owner, I think my the pros are um, I'm very loyal. If I'm trying to get something done, everyone knows I'm I'm going to go past the moment where my oxygen's cut out just so I can get to the other side. Right. And on the flip side mm-hmm. is um, I would say I'm smart enough to know I need to put other people in, in charge of other things because I'm not as great at doing that. So I think, you know, putting the right people around you and the fact that people don't want to have my head down that I'm not giving up or, or at least I'm not giving up really easily. I'll be probably beaten to a pulp before I decide that I'm quitting. So I think those are the good things. I think the, you know, the main thing is putting knowing where your shortcomings are and not trying to force like I'm the smartest guy in the room or that right. I'm going to tell someone how they, because it's just, it's very odd these days again with, uh, I think even culturally wise, you know, I mean, just the younger kids I've, I've got, all my kids are growing up and moved out of the house from 21 to like 33. And I'm not quite uh, used to dealing with the younger generation, maybe some of their work ethic or their, their thought process on how they uh, address sort of like challenges. Right. I feel you. I feel you on that big time. <laughs> What do you think's been one of the biggest lessons you've learned so far since opening? Um, I call this the taco truck problem. Taco um, truck problem, okay. Food trucks. Yeah, we work with a lot of food trucks out here, and we've got some really awesome ones. And one of the, the things I notice is people doing the knee-jerk reaction when – and I th- and COVID's obviously made that easy, right? Because if you can't pay your bills, you do what you need to to pay your bills. Uh, but we have held true to being who we are. We've held true that we are a brewery. Um, we're going to do unique things. We're not going to um, just go make everything everyone wants. We're going to make a little bit of everything that people want. And we always have more of an East Coast beer program. And I don't say that because of the flavors we have, but because we have flavors. We have a lot of different things from lagers to barrel-aged beer and everything in between. Uh, where a lot of people out here will shift to 15 IPAs because they, you know, they're concerned they're not going to make money. And back to the taco truck thing, that's what happened with us. I saw a lot of food trucks during COVID where – they were great El Salvadorian, Colombian, just like great trucks with great recipes. And they all turned into taco trucks because they knee jerked because they were afraid of losing their business. But ultimately what they did was they lost their identity. And we've seen that with a couple of people out here where they're all of a sudden they turned into that BJ's, right? They turned into the big restaurant with cocktails. And, right, right. And now they're not really a brewery. You, know, you don't think about them being a brewery. You think about them being a restaurant. And so I think that's one of the, the biggest takeaways for me was just holding true to what you are because you want your identity to be intact. You can't start your identity over once you're known. Right. Or it's very difficult, right? So now this great El Salvador Dorian truck that had pupuses won't be known for that, but they're going to be known for tacos, and there's about 8,000 taco trucks in California. Right. To thy own self be true, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, who do you think's inspired you the most in the beer industry? I'm sure you've probably met tons of people, but who do you think's kind of – really shined a light on things for you the most i would so i, I have I, I had two beer mentors and now i would say i have three and that was because of my some of my travels i was doing a lot of traveling to the east coast uh, prior to covid for the last couple of years so first and foremost it would be firestone and that would probably be matt brindleson and his team um from david walker and them doing uh, their barrel program they're one of the they're probably one of the very first barrel, uh, I think the 10th anniversary with uh, Blend was probably one of the very first barrel-aged beers I fell in love with. Um, and so I would say that they were probably my top beer mentor when it came to barrels and the use of wood. They have a, they have a, um, 
if you ever get a tour with David or one of them, uh, if you're ever fortunate enough to be up in Paso to do that, they'll tell you that, you know, where there's supposed to only be four beer ingredients, you know, water, yeast, malt, and hops. Right. They believe there's a fifth one. It's called wood because until the advent of stainless steel, there was always a barrel involved. There was always wood involved. Gotcha. And so that was their approach awesome. when they first started doing barrels. Um, and then even uh, DBA sits in barrels for a period of time. So they were my first ones. The brewery, which is here in Placentia, California, that's B-R-U-E-R-Y, they were probably, they became, they took that barrel program, went to the next level, and did a lot more creative things in the sense of boutique kind of beers, small batch, where Firestone was doing more larger batches, right? And more okay. traditional kind yeah. of flavors. So that was probably my next beer mentor. Uh, Patrick Ruin team over there have always been great guys, always great at answering questions, but they've been very inspiring. And then lastly, I'd say my new addition is Kai and folks over at Aslan uh, Brewing over in Alexandria and, and Herndon, uh, Virginia. They, uh, I started traveling a lot over there, and I, that's when I fell in love with the kind of beer program that I wanted to do, even though I had already been thinking about it. But you can go into Aslan and get everything from, you know, a sour to a milkshake to, a, you know, a hazy to a, a clean IPA to barrel-aged beers to, like, you name it. And, right. I, uh, and I just really like those guys, and I, I – uh, they had done a beer called Glamping, which was awesome, and one of our beers called Boom was a homage back to them. So I would say those are my three that I think about in sort of the beer world as my beer mentors. Very cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I asked that question, and a lot of people kind of like go to like uh, Sam from Dogfish and like kind of like bigger names because they like read the books and everything like that. But uh, that's great that I got an answer with like three people that, that kind of inspired you like that. That's, uh, that's great. Because I like drinking their beer. Of course, right, yeah. <laughs> so how do you define success? And was there kind of a moment for you that kind of sticks out where you kind of like stopped and had to smell the roses where you're like, wow, this we're, do, we're doing all right? I wouldn't say at the brewery I've got that yet, but I would say I've gotten that at festivals. So I, I always joke that your mom might call you an a-hole, but she won't call you ugly, right? <laughs> and I, you, know, you get that with Fringe, right? As you're, we were doing an R&D system. We were doing a lot of development of recipes. And, like, you know, you, you hand your beers to your friends and your colleagues or uh, your your family, and they'll always tell you it's great. Right. right. They always tell you, oh, it's good, good. But it was our first festival and festivals after that where people owe you nothing, and you see the line longer than other people's at the festival. You see people bringing other people back. Right. You see people coming up and ordering the beer by name without even looking at what we have, right? Uh, and telling you the feedback, you know, that you've got the best beer or hazy or whatever and, and, you know, at that festival. And that's where it's that moment where it's about, you know that you're doing something right. You know, you, you know that you're on track because people like your stuff and they don't owe you anything. Right. Um, and so I think that's probably that breakthrough is when you start getting people tasting your stuff that, they're not in your location. You got forty other breweries next to you, and they have no need to tell you anything. And they take the time to come up and tell you they like your beer. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm sure that's a great feeling. I'm sure you've been bombarded with opening because it's very everything's very recent. But how important is taking a mental break from basically handling everything, all the responsibilities of the brewery? You know, I have yet to get to there yet. Okay. Um, I think a lot of it's just because we have, uh, like I said, employee-wise, it's been a bit of a challenge. Um, and I actually work another job to fund this. Well, so I got like two full-time jobs going on. Right. Um, I do believe it's important, and I do try to check out where I can. Um, but I could do better. There's a book called The E-Myth, and I was just talking to an old friend of mine, and he was reminding me of this. 
not working on the business, not working in the business. Okay. And I would say that um, I think I can be doing a lot better if I could focus more on working on the business and not in the business. But it'll, I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping as we get through to January to March and we get through the Omicron and maybe things calm down a little bit more and we start getting people need to work and go out and have jobs that I can get to that point a little bit better than I'm. I can practice what I preach versus probably where I'm at right now. Right. So if you plan on opening your own brewery, just a heads up, you probably won't get a, a, a good break for, for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. If you get, if you, if you get the right funding, I'm sure you can pull it off. But, yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Fun, but if uh, you're, uh, if you're different. going, if you're going at it, but I mean, if, if you're really trying to make it work, especially during, uh, you know, the whole pandemic and mandates and everything like that, you're probably going to have to work really hard because, uh, you know, you don't want to let anything slip through your fingers. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? Uh, actually, it's one that I just made recently. Um, in, the, well, in the last like six months as a it's sort of it would be an homage to them if they knew it. Uh, but one of them uh, would have been humpback ale from Harpoon. And it was like a copper ale. And it was just this really easy drinking beer and it oddly enough it was and i was thinking about this because i've been out to boston and i've I've been to their brewery and i've been to sam adams yeah i've been there been there as well in 1995 or 1994 they were in aliso viejo california and i can't understand how they ever got that distribution right um but i'm assuming it's because they were tagging along with sam adams and i think sam adams stock ale and probably sierra nevada pale ale were the i would say the three that were just out and but I would say my favorite, and I, I know you asked for one, I apologize. My favorite, though, one to go search for, and it gave me that itch to search for beer, where it wasn't you could just go find it, was the original Eye of the Hawk from Mendocino, California uh, Brewing Company. They've since been bought out, and they do other things now, but the original came with 22-ounce bombers only at uh, one time a year, and I think that was probably, beyond the flavor being great, it, it stoked my cinch of going in like, when you're trying to find, scavenger hunt, it was like literally it got me on that the itch for going and finding rare beers. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I remember that. I, w- I remember when I would go out to Jersey and uh, they had this place called Total Wine. I'm sure they have Total Wine there now. Yep, yep, so yep. I would come back with boxes of beer and spending like 250 bucks. And I'm like, I can't come here anymore. I'm going broke. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But they had like everything you could ever imagine. And I find beers. I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't had this in forever. So yeah, I understand. I completely get it. <laughs> so, um, what's next for your brewery? What's, what's the future look like for dog park? So right now our simple one is, you know, just basically getting the tasting room in the black finishing up i got another patio i'm trying to put in we're working on a food component right now uh to be ancillary not from you know primary but something more um mobile related that we can sort of bring on site but not be a physical on site you know like part of our actual physical location part of that's because in california if you want to have and this might be around the united states but in california that i know of, you can't have dogs inside if you have a food component right so being the dog park that mixes that. So we're trying to figure out that sort of outside piece where we can still have our setup the way it is. And then secondarily is sort of going back to what our original plan was, which is to create a production brewery with satellite tasting rooms. And really the, the goal is to have, you know, one facility that can produce everything for your locations and then have those locations be 
your local cheers, like that local hyper local focus where you go into a town and you become part, you know, part of that community and you start supporting that community in a way um, that you can bring them really tasty beer, but you're also, you know, working with the dog community, working with the local youth stuff, you know, because we do a lot of um, support with local soccer. So San Juan's a big soccer community, but between dog rescues, pet rescues and community based things, that's the goal of having these hyper local focused um, areas. So that's still our long-term goal. So I think, you know, getting this one in the black finished up and then the second back to looking at possible funding versus um, self-funding uh, on doing a production brewery now. Very cool. Best of luck with all of that, man. And if somebody came to you and asked you for advice on opening their own brewery, what would you tell them? Sorry, and there's the mascot. <laughs> in the background. That's Apollo. He must have heard someone. He, um, he, he made it on the podcast. He did. <laughs> um, you know what? I would. I don't know that I've got some ultimate pearls of wisdom other than don't expect it's going to be easy. Even if you had all the money in the world, you got to have a great clientele. But don't lose your vision. If you got a vision uh, and it's a good vision, stick with it unless you've got a really good solid reason why you're doing something different. Because like the knee-jerk thing, I've just seen it over and over and over again, and that can be the difference between it being what you're, you know, the vision you want to live with and the vision it became, and now you're just living with it. And I think that's probably the most important thing. And then, you know, make sure you're doing the right research and putting smart people around you. Don't do, don't go it alone. You know, there's a lot of information out there with the um, with Brewers Guilds and all that. Walk into it with your eyes open. Don't think just because, I mean, because go back to the original breweries that started up in like early 90s, right? Right. They all thought if you build it, they will come. And guess what? And they had a lot of money. And they, <laughs> most of them got like, either aren't in business anymore or they got funneled into something else. It was the next wave that actually made it through that. So I would say go in with eyes wide open. Know it's going to be difficult. It puts smart people around you. And don't just do it because you like drinking beer. Because it's easier to go pick it up down the street than to try to ruin it. Sounds a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, and- it's fun. I mean, I love doing it. And since, you know, back to we were talking about sort of my history, it's like growing <laughs> up in the South and with food. I mean, I was an artist. I've done food stuff. I've done all kinds of things. And, Beer is the closest thing, and I love cooking. I love different flavors, and that's how I think about when I brew. You know, so for me, it's very passion, you know, passion orientated. Right. So, but at the same time, though, um, passion doesn't pay the bills. So. No, it most certainly doesn't. You better make a, a great product. Uh, so, did you happen to have a funny story for us? Yeah, I would say uh, I do have one. It has, and it's probably the the question that we get asked the most too. Okay. So I was going back trying to noodle on what my funny story would be, and I would say that, well, how did we come up with our name is probably the primary question we have, and it's actually a funny story. So All right. um, originally, we were going to call it Apollo Dog Brewing Company, and that was for our dog, our mascot, Apollo. He's an 85-pound American Bulldog, um, and and he's squirrely and unpredictable, and that was part of what we wanted to do as we built out the brewery was to have this reliably unpredictable, have very traditional things, but be able to do very crazy things while comparing beer to mankind's best friend. And then we ended up with a, a, a trademark issue internationally. I think someone literally in Ireland or Scotland. And we just didn't want to have something that could plague the company long term. We were trying to figure out another name. And there must have been an A or something in that logo when we first were doing it. I can't remember. This was a while back. Because we were trying to come up with Awesome Dog, Amazing Dog, all these different things. Right. And then um, our third partner, Robert, had just moved to a new place. And a mutual friend of ours from Australia was over. And he was sitting out on the patio, and he knew we were noodling on this name. And he looked across the street and said, well, why don't you just call it the dog park? There's, like, one right there. 
partner just moved across from the dog park. And we're like, oh my God, that's awesome. Like it's communal. It's like community is bringing people together. Right. Um, and then our artist got a hold of it and added the W to P-A-W-R-K, which now everyone thinks we're from the East Coast. <laughs> right. And it's really just representative of a paw. Right. But yeah, that was our funny story. It was, uh, our, you know, everything that we've, and it's just something I would say going back to starting a brewery or anything, be open to creative things. And I think that's where we've been really fortunate. So many things that we've done have been sort of a fluke in a good way. Not like we just weren't planning on things, but you put enough of the right people to re- around you and you give them enough of a voice, really cool things come out of it. And we've been able to experience that a few times and our, our name's one of them. For sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was wondering where, where the, the W came from. And I didn't think it was an East Coast thing, but I assumed it was because of the paw. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of people going, park? Yeah, Boston? right. The park? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five, Five Quick Questions, Beer Related. Ready? Sure. Somebody comes into your brewery. What's one of the beers you recommend they try? Our Barrel Age Series. Barrel Age Series. Okay. Uh, favorite brewery other than your own? Aslan. Aslan. Hmm. Favorite style of beer? Barrel Age. <laughs> I, I always joke, I'd, I'd make Barrel Age beer all day long. I'd make everything else just because I, so I could make Barrel Age beers. Right. I like a big Barrel Age stout or like a rum Barrel Age red. Well, I, I always ask the question, Barrel Age Imperial or both, so I already, I think I already know the answer to that one, but I'll skip, I'll skip that one. Last beer you drank that blew you away? Actually, it was a mead. A really? Beer. You know, I, I'm not going to know the name. I, I apologize. It was actually from Firestone. It's from their new collection series, from their Brewmaster collection. And it was from one of the last um, orders they delivered. Uh, if, you, if you get a chance and you haven't seen it, check out their Brewmaster's collective thing. They, it's a new program where they send beer out once a month. Okay. And you get all these really creative beers. They're all barrel-aged. So it would have been from them. So I apologize. I just don't know the name of it. No worries. But it was like a mead, really. In a box. Very cool. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? If I could get it, probably Grey Monday. Grey Monday, which is which is what? I'm sorry. It's from the so Grey Monday is um, from the brewery, and it's a variation of their Black Tuesday, which is about a 19 percent uh, imperial stout that's been barrel aged, and wow. sometimes multiple barrels. And Black Tuesday has hazelnuts in it. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and at 18 to 20 percent, depending on what year, you know that could go for a while. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> well, Nate, that's all I got, man. That's all I got for you. Well, thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to connect, so I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast, here with Nate Beckham, co-owner of the Dog Park Brewing Company in San Juan Capistrano, California. Thanks, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Nathan Beckham of Dog Park Brewing Company in San Juan Capistrano, California. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. Give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media, because I need the likes. It's how I survive. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.